Philippians chapter number 1. I want to talk to you just about one or two verses and then I'll let you go home. Looks like everybody needs a nap this morning. Go home and get a nap. Come back tonight refreshed. Amen. Amen. Come back tonight like it's this morning and then we'll have us a good service tonight. But at any rate, uh, I intend to have a good service this morning. And I've got a good message for you this morning if you'll listen to it. Not that the preaching will be any good. That's that's regardless. The message will be a great one. Amen. Because it come out of the Bible. And uh, you, you pay attention to what you hear this morning and things will pick up for you. Amen. I, I think, I, I believe, I know, I understand that God's way is the best way. Amen. It's the only way to do things correctly is God's way. And so that's what I'm going to talk to you about a little bit this morning. I I thought about putting on the sign out there. I hadn't put nothing out there in a while and uh, it's pretty bare right now. I need to put some stuff about the upcoming revivals on. But I thought about putting on there for the next couple of days or the next couple of weeks or so uh, just a little thought along these lines. uh, And I don't know exactly what it will say but I know exactly what I'm trying to say and that's this in this modern day you've got new Bibles you got new music you got new preaching methods so that must equal a new religion amen must be something different if it's if it's new music and and new Bibles and new ways of doing it must be a new religion because my God said that he changes not and that little thought right there that God doesn't change his God never has modernized We talk about an old-fashioned God. What is that? Really? If you think about it, there ain't no old-fashioned God. When God created Adam, He had already been where we at today and seen it all. I mean, He's not bound by the concepts of time. The Bible says He dwells in eternity. That means He can look and see any point in history right from where He's sitting at. We don't understand that, and, and I'm not even going to try to understand that. I, just like David said, I'm not going to meddle with things that are too high for me. I'm not going to worry about that. I just know that God knows the end from the beginning. The Bible, when you read your Bible, it says that He is from everlasting, from everlasting, to everlasting. That means He's from eternity past to eternity future. This little bit of time here that God created for us to exist in, that doesn't mean anything to God. That's just for our... That's just for us. God is not old-fashioned. He's not new-fashioned. He just is who He is. You know, I've heard people say, you know, you you religious nuts, y'all stuck in the past. No, we stuck in the future. Uh, This, You know, morality is not bound by time it's not bound by the by the past and it's not going to be bound by the future morality and righteousness and holiness that's God's style yeah. <laughs> amen that, you know fat fellow walks around with his collar up like Elvis that's my style <laughs> back in the 80's they wore parachute pants that's their style yeah. stupid as it was it, some, some of you in the 60's with your bell bottoms that was your style <laughs> well holiness is God's style you know some folks turn their nose up at God's holiness and doing the right thing and they say oh that's kind of old fashioned that's kind of stick in the mud well that's God's style you're talking about and God's style may be out of style with you but it's never going to go out of style with God I was thinking about it this week I was thinking along those lines people trying to change everything what in the world they're trying to get away from I suppose if they get rid of the old ways they think they'll attain some kind of a happiness but I don't see that I don't see that 
I see God. I, I see people that have done it God's way, and I see happy and fulfilled lives. Yeah. And that doesn't. That, I'm not talking about how much money they got. You know, I've seen people that's made money without God. Yeah. You know, I run into an old boy. He used to come to church here, and every time I see him, I invite him to come. He says, "Oh, I'm coming. Oh, I'm coming. <laughs> yeah, I'd be glad to see it. I will be glad to see it." But every time I see him, he says, "You know, I, he's a businessman in this town, and probably got a little bit of money. I don't know if he does or not, but he looks like he does. I don't know what he's got." But you know, I seen him the other day, and he looked like he'd been beat and run over and thrown in the ditch. And the fellow's a, a, a business success as far as the world's concerned. But as far as God's concerned, he's wasting his life. As far as God's concerned, it's one trouble after the next. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I don't, well, I started to say, well, let me just say it this way. I wouldn't want all the money in the world if I had to lay my head on the pillow at night and just, just regret and fret. And worry. I don't want that. I don't want that. Amen. And you know we've got people that don't have nothing on one end of the spectrum. And people that have everything seems like on the other end of the spectrum. And it doesn't matter rich or poor. The Bible says God's the maker of them both. And both of those people. Some got money and some ain't got money. And some is in between. So they say. And everyone I've got the same worries when they lay their head on their pillow at night. This fellow over here got all the money said, I wish I didn't have all this headache. And the fellow over here on this end that ain't got nothing said, I wish I had what the rich man had. Then I'd be happy. And they don't know that every bit of happiness and every bit of joy and every bit of fulfillment that they'll ever find is found right between the covers of this old book right here. God's way. God's way. Amen. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. Look in verse, chapter number 1 and verse number 8. It says, For God is my record, how greatly I long after you all in the bowels of Jesus Christ. And this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. That ye may approve things that are excellent, that ye may be sincere and without offense to the day of Christ. Being filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and praise of of God. Heavenly Father, I pray you'd help me to preach for just a minute. I know that folks are tired from a good week and we did have a great week with great weather. Thank you, dear God, for all your blessings. Got my garden in, got some fishing done, uh, had a camping trip with the boys. You allowed us to do so much this past week. But Lord, now this week is gone and we got a new week to go. And I pray God you'd help us to start it off right here this morning, to start it off well. And I pray God you'd give us a couple of great services today. Lord, help me to preach in such a way that would inspire folks to go out and live for you this week and then come back next week and get re, uh, refueled and re-inspired and, and take next week when it comes and truly take tomorrow when it comes. But God, help us today to get the instruction that you'd have for us. God, use your word to deal with our hearts and I'll thank you and praise you for what you do, unworthy to preach, but oh God, a worthy word that I have here in my hands this morning. I pray you take that word, use it for your honor and glory, and I'll thank you for what you do. In Jesus' name, I pray these things. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, look what he says in verse number eight. He said, for God is my record. That's a scary thought right there, ain't it? 
I mean, that God is making a record. God's making a list. You know, they try to make Santa Claus, you know, this fella, he's making a list and checking it twice. Well, I don't know about you, but, uh, you know, I just look at the name Santa. That's, that's female as far as <laughs> Spanish. Anything ends in an A is a girl. Uh, I don't want a fat man that's a woman climbing through my house, and I definitely don't. I definitely don't want him watching my every move. Amen. I don't want. But listen, Santa Claus ain't the one that's making the list and checking it twice. God, He says, for God is my record. For God is my record. God sees everything that we do. He knows everything that we think. Matter of fact, the Bible says that this Bible knows everything that you think. This is a dangerous book. Did you know it? The Bible says the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. It said it discerns between the thoughts and the intents of the heart. It didn't say that God did that. It made the Word synonymous with God and said that the Word of God did that. In other words, you open the Bible and the Bible opens you up and says, Hey, you don't have the right attitude. You don't have the right you don't have the right thought processes. You don't have the right submission. You don't have and the Bible says it's a sword. You mess with the sword the wrong way. What they what your mama when you was five years old, she didn't let you walk around with the knife. Because you'd mishandle it. You'd cut yourself. Amen. You better not mishandle this book. It'll cut you. It'll cut you. I'm amazed. Me and Brother Nathan were talking just a few minutes ago. I'm amazed at how God holds people accountable when they start dealing with the correct and true. Now you could go to any church just about in the world that was just a church and just part of the world system and the world scene. You go to church every Sunday and have religion and do whatever you want to. But when you start messing with God's religion and God's book and God's spirit, there's going to be some, some accountability going to come along. God's going to hold you accountable. Now listen, I would if I was going to fool around and play church, I'd play it somewhere else. There's a nice little Catholic church down here. I'd go play church down there if I was going to play church. But I ain't going to play church. Amen? The bad thing about playing church is you can't play hell. Amen? It's hard to play judgment. When judgment comes, you can't play. Amen. And, and listen, we may as well get just draw a straight line and call it what it is. You're going to pay. You can't, you can't do... I mean, we hear all this... Uh, and it's not just modern generation. You go back to the 50s and go back to the 20s. I mean, people want to do what they want to do. But the only problem with that, don't come out right. Yeah. It just won't come out right. For all a man's liberty, we got, we got the only country in the world that's ever established it by law that you can do according to your conscience. Just do what makes you happy. And it don't work. You can legalize it. It don't work. It don't come out right. Legalize dope. It don't come out right. Legalize alcohol. It don't come out right. Legalize uh, prostitution. It's not going to come out right. It's just not going to work. Not going to work. It's going to fall apart every time. You say why? Because it's not God's way. It doesn't have to be gross sin. Just change a few words in your Bible. It's not going to come out right. It's not going to come out right. Just change the doctrines just a little bit. It's not going to come out right. It's going to lead you astray. Anything that leads you away from Jesus Christ is wrong. Amen. Amen. Of uh, the Calvinist churches, they're preaching Calvinism. They're not preaching Jesus. The Pentecostal churches, they're preaching tongues. They're not preaching Jesus. Anything that will mess you up will lead you away from Jesus. I'd stay away from it. It's going to come out wrong. It's going to come out wrong. Start the right place, Jesus, and then get off somewhere. You'd, be, you'd still be messed up. 
Amen. you got to do things God's way. And so look what he says. He says, for God is my record. And boy, I could talk about that a great while. God is your record. God's got a record of what you're doing. The Bible says one day that the lost are going to stand before the great white throne judgment and give an account of their deeds, give an account of their works. And he says that their name's not written in the book of life. That's a record. That's a record. God got a record of their names. The Bible says if you're saved, you're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. The judgment seat of Christ. And give an account of the deeds done in the body. And I believe that's the body of Christ. The deeds done in the body. But listen, you're going to give an account. And how can God keep you into account, get, uh, bring you into account, if He doesn't have a record of what you do? And like, like I say, not only does He have a record of what you're doing, but he has a record of the thoughts and intents that are behind. I often wonder, and really I don't have you know an extra 45 minutes to add to the sermon uh, to give you all these details, but I often wonder what goes into the process of, of a man that's called to preach sitting down and deciding if he's going to stay with this book or maybe use another. What goes into the thought processes of saying, well, maybe I'll use an NIV instead of the King James Bible. What causes a man to sit down and say, hey, I mean, we need to just liven up our music a little bit. What goes into those thought processes? We need to make it more, a little bit, you know, more. We need to have just a little more rock and roll in our music. What goes into those processes? It must be maybe money. Maybe popularity or maybe success. I don't know. But if you wanted success, I mean, if you wanted a building full of people, you, you could find a way to do it. You can find a way to do it. You can, you can find a, a way to appeal. I mean, Barnum and Bailey comes to town. They put up a tent. Everybody fills that thing up, don't they? Yeah, but, but listen, God's not interested in a show. God's interested in your... In God, listen, God has your best interest at heart. Did you know that? The Bible, and, and, and I'm pretty sure I read it right, but I read my Bible. He said that God has no pleasure in the death of the wicked. God looks, you know, God is not a gray-bearded old man sitting in heaven with a lightning bolt ready to strike. No, he, he's a man, God is a man that manifests himself to you and I as a man, the Lord Jesus Christ, and took the lightning bolt for you. That's what he did for you. You say, why would God send people to hell? Because you reject his son, that's why. You say, well, sin, well, God paid for you sin. Your sin is paid for. I can't understand a person that wouldn't accept Jesus Christ for this, for this reason alone. Is that He's already paid your debt. No matter what you've got in your heart and in your mind that you want to keep doing, forget about that, man. Your sin's already been paid for. You know, I've, I tell you this on a regular basis. When I want to do something and God says not to do it, I just get on my knees and say, Hey, God, I don't want to stop doing this. I, need, I mean, be honest with God. Listen, you want to keep sinning, I can understand that because that's what you are, a sinner. But why don't you get down on your knees and ask Jesus to save you and help you with that problem that you got, whatever it is you want to keep doing. Amen. I mean, God paid all of your debts. I can't see why that you wouldn't. I mean, if somebody come along and say, I'm going to pay off your car, going to pay off your house, going to pay off all your bills. I mean, well, I just really don't feel right. <laughs> I feel pretty good about that. <laughs> You say, well, you're using Jesus as a crutch then. Absolutely. I can't hardly stand. I need, I, listen, if you're crippled, you need a crutch. As far as getting into favor with God, we're all cripples. And that's what's wrong with some of the churches today. Everybody walks around like they never committed a sin. The people out there in the world that's living in sin, they just see you as what the Bible calls a holier than thou. 
Hey, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Now, when God saved me, He gave me a few ways that I could walk that put me in a better destination. You walk a bad road, you're going to end the bad destination. You walk a good road, I mean, you listen, you, you walk in the good road, you got your eyes over there on the bad road. David said it even, uh, the psalmist said it even in Psalm chapter 73. He said, I've seen those people that were living wickedly, and they look like they're having fun, and it looks like everything works out for them. But he said, I read the end of the book. He said, I read the book. I went into the sanctuary, I found out where they're going. Now, there ain't no doubt about it, Christians get trying to get on the right road, and all that stuff they used to do still looks fun to them. You still got flesh don't you well it still looks like a good time and it's hard to get your mind off of that until you realize the end of the situation until you realize that they're heading towards judgment until you realize that every time it comes along it turns out bad every time you get involved in that old life it turns out bad so you look at that and you say well hey I think I'll walk the good you look at some of these older folks say your grandmother your grandfather uh, maybe your grandfather's daddy or whatever your great grandpa whatever the case may be I look back at some of my relatives some of the people that came before me and I thought man they had principle they had a little bit of money in their pocket I mean they weren't rich but they uh, as far as I'm concerned they were successful they were happy they ended up their days with their husband or with their wife until they died whatever the case may be they didn't get married 900 times and they stayed with their husband or stayed with their wife and they had children and, and their children grew up you know fairly good some of them some of them didn't turn out too good but when I look I see their life I see they was happy I see they had took responsibility. I see that they had good character. And I say, well, how in the world did they get there? And every time I find somebody, I find a Bible somewhere close by. Every time I see somebody that just turned out, well, man, that's the way I'd like to turn out. I see there's a Bible somewhere. There's a church somewhere. There's an old preacher somewhere. There's a profession of faith somewhere in their life. I see they come out at the right spot because they was on the right road. And then I turn around and I see some of my relatives that ends in a drunkard's grave. I could take you I could take you back in the mountains where I'm from and I could take you to this graveyard and I could say, He died because of alcohol. He died because of this. He died because of a life of crime. I could take you to another graveyard and say, He died. And I could take you to the places where they died. I could take you to the hospital beds that they died in. I could take you and say, This one died on cigarettes. This one died on alcohol. This one died in a car wreck. This one died at gunpoint. This one died in a card game. And I could take you to my relatives and show you everyone up. And I could tell you the stories. They, they died at the wrong place because they was on the wrong road. You can't get on the right road and die at the wrong place. You just can't do it. You just can't do it. You read the old I mean you read the, the old stories in the book of Acts. Some of those men died for, for God. They died because of serving God, but they died happy. They died in grace. They didn't die in turmoil. You ever seen anybody die in turmoil? I've been to the, the, the scenes when I was in the Marine Corps. I worked with the, with the Naval Investigation Service. I worked with the MPs. I worked with the Army Investigative Service. I worked with, uh, with CID. I worked with all these different investigative services. And without fail, I would end up in a hospital room. Without fail, I would end up on an accident scene. Without fail, I would end up at a suicide scene. And without fail, I would end up at a murder scene. And behind every one of those stories was a life of, I'm going to 
do it my way. I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to do it my way. And it never ended up right. Never. I never went to one of those scenes and, and seen a Bible laying on the counter or somebody talking about Jesus. It was always booze and alcohol and my way. And I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to do it my way. It always turns out bad. Always turns out bad. Always. I never will forget. I went to one house and uh, oh, come to, come up to the door and opened the door and there was blood right there in the doorway. And the trail of blood came from that doorway all the way straight back through the door. Right as you opened the door, it went through the living room. Living room was on this side. Kitchen was on this side. Dining room. All open space. And then right back straight from the doorway into a hallway was doors on each side of the hallway, little military housing unit. And in the back door, I could uh, the very back door in the house, blood was coming out of that doorway and it, it had flowed out through that hallway and right up to the doorstep. And uh, I could see it coming out and I, we walked around and tried to stay out of that mess. And in the doorway, in the very back corner was a man crumpled up in the corner. She said that her, or her, his wife said that he had shot himself and didn't really look like he had shot himself. But what I'm saying is that as I began to sit there and as I began to go look around that house, as I began to look at that, and this woman began to talk, a Catholic priest came in, sat down with that woman. She began to tell him, oh, he was stepping out on me. He was drinking all the time. He was doing, and she began to unravel and tell this big story about how he was living every bad way you could think of. Every terrible way you could think of. And how did it end? Crumpled up in the back corner of a room. Bled out. Bled out. How many times that very same doorway where the blood was coming through, how many times have they gone in and out determined to do their own thing? And that's the way it ends. Don't end good. You say, well, that's just one man. Well, that one man's life is typical of everybody sitting in this room. You'd live the right way, come out the right way. Do things God's way. And ain't that what it says here in verse number 9? He says, This I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. Look what he says. That ye may approve things that are excellent. Now, the Christian, the Christian life, I think, has been tainted by everybody running around. God is love. God is love. And listen, I know God is love. There's no question about that. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. That's what God's love is. God gave His Son to die in our place for sin. But what does the Bible say about sin? The wages of sin is death. Is that not what it says? Well, the wages of sin is death. Well, He says here, after He saves you, He said He wants your love to abound. Not in words. The Bible says not, love not in word only, but in deed and in truth. God don't want you to run around talking about how much you love one another. He said, I want your love to abound in knowledge. That's the Word of God. And in judgment. That's the results. Hey, you got to judge the thing. Is this going to hurt me? Or is this going to help me? Is this going to lead me astray? Or is it going to lead me in the right way? And so Paul says, For God is my record how greatly I long after you all in the bowels of Jesus Christ. And I will say this about preachers. We need to stop having a bunch of preachers that just want to preach just to be heard. Or preach just to get an image. Or preach just to get a reputation. Or preach just to get a big church. We need to stop that. We need preachers that want to preach so that the people can get right. I used to hear it said, I'm a preacher and I'm on God's side. Well, I'd like to say that too. I'd like to say that too. But God sent us in. God took us preachers that's supposed to be on His side to preach to a lost and dying world. It's for their benefit. I'd like to be on God's side for you. 
Amen? And that's what, that's what he says in Romans chapter 1, verse number 11. He says, I long to see you. Now the problem that a lot of people have is they long to be seen. The problem with a lot of Christians is they come to church, they long to be seen. You come to, I'm going to be seen at church today. Oh, I'm going to sing. Boy, that's why some, you know, I lead the singing. Ain't nobody come to see me sing. <laughs> Amen? Ain't nobody, that's, a, that's a fact. Ain't that a fact? Well, listen, listen. You ought not come to... Oh, watch me now. I'm about to preach. I've even seen some preachers preach. And I've seen some... I've heard, and they did a good job preaching too. But they'll start preaching. They'll say, watch me now. I'd rather watch Jesus. But listen, he said, I long to see you. Not you long to... And really, you, you got, you've got a society now that goes to church like they go into a rock concert. Oh! Brother so-and-so is going to be here. I hope God's come with him. Amen. I mean, I, I really, listen, I've got some favorite preachers myself. If Lester Roloff was coming, of course, if he came, I'd be mighty afraid he's dead. But, but some of these preachers, if they were to show up, listen, if they, if they were to come to town, I'd go hear him preach. But I'm not going to hear a rock star. I'm going to hear a man of God. A man that's got God's message for God's people. And that's the way it ought to be. And so he says, For God is my record how greatly I long after you all in the bowels of Jesus Christ. You know, it helps to want to help the people you're preaching to. If they're not, listen, if you're just preaching for the sake of preaching, people tend, uh, and I got this wrote down in front of one of my Bibles, but it says this. It says, If a preacher preaches for the sake of, uh, if a preacher tends to preach for the sake of preaching, people tend to listen for the sake of listening. In other words, he's up there saying nothing just to be heard. The people will be hearing nothing. They'll just, in other words, they'll just turn into a bunch of religious zombies that come to church out of habit. Now I'm going to church. Now I'll sing my song. Now I'll sit down. Now it's time to go. Just religious, just a religious service. It don't mean nothing. Don't mean nothing. But he said, "My uh, God is my record. How greatly I long after you all in the bowels of Jesus Christ. And this I pray that your love may abound yet more and more." What's the message this morning? I want you to love the Word of God. I want you to. I want you to. Uh, I want you to get to the place where you can say, "What is right?" I mean, judgment. He said, "Judgment," didn't he? I, Lord, I want to get to the place where I know what's right. And uh, In other words, what you're going to have to do to that is you're going to have to love God's truth. Yeah. As much as you say you love everybody else, oh, I just love you. This is such a wonderful congregation and I love you. <laughs> now if I got up and spewed that stuff out every week, I'd like to say you had enough sense to know better than that, but there's television... <laughs> Television preachers are making millions of dollars every year doing that very same thing. I, I just... You don't know how much I love you guys. And people eat that up and you say, what does that mean? Nothing. It don't mean nothing. You go... You go back, let's just go back in history. How many times did you hear Lester Roloff do that? How about Carl Lackey? How about you know, J. Frank Norris? So a Baptist should know these names. I don't know who that is, preacher. You need to get around. <laughs> you need to get. Uh, how about Oliver B. Green? I, I think everybody ought to know who Oliver B. Oliver B. Green is if you're over 35 years old. 
Uh, now you turn on the radio and you go across the dial and you're going to find, you know, a bunch of junk. Used to, there was a time in this country where you turn the radio on, you could hear a rock and roll station here and there. And maybe if you, if you had a radio, you might could get one country station and one rock station and you could get two or three gospel stations wherever you was at in this country. It's not like that anymore, is it? But if you're over 30 years old, you probably remember turning on the radio or your mom and daddy turned on the radio as a kid and hearing Oliver B. Green. This is the gospel hour. That was smooth and polished, but boy, he could preach and he'd tell you, he'd flat tell you. You didn't hear those guys do this kind of, this new stuff. This, this, oh, I just want to encourage you today and I know you've been under such a tremendous load this week. I really... It's not, it's not. And you say, well, that that sounds good to me. Well, it's not producing the same kind of people that the old time way produced. Let's go a little bit further back than Lester Roloff and Oliver B. Green, okay? Did you ever hear Paul do that? You ever read your Bible? What? No. When he said he loved the people, he said, I love you, and I want you to figure out how to do the right thing. And then when he got done telling you he wanted you to do the right thing, he said, stop doing the wrong thing. Ain't that what he said? You said, now, Brother Mike, what exactly? How about reading the book? Get a love for the book. He said, I love you now. He said, God's my record how much I love you, and I long at you, and I want to see you. But then he'd turn right around and say, your fornication, your adultery, your lasciviousness, your drunkenness, your reverence, your riotousness, get rid of it. Amen. Amen. That you don't you don't see that no more in in the churches today, do you? And therefore, people say, "Oh, God is love," and they'll turn up a fifth of liquor and say, "Oh, God loves me." Yeah, but he don't love that liquor. He don't love drunkenness. You say, "What's the problem with all the sinful stuff out there?" The problem is not with the sinful stuff. It's the pro- the problem is what the sinful stuff does to you, His creation. Amen. It's the fact that you turn out worshiping that stuff. Amen. Amen. You say, what can I do? You can do anything you don't turn out worshiping. Are we allowed to, are we allowed to uh, watch television if you don't worship it? Amen. Listen, you go into a church 50 years ago, they was preaching on everything under the sun. Don't drink. Don't go to the movies. You say, why was they preaching on such meaningless things as that? Because they know, those preachers knew that, that men and women like you and I have a tendency to worship that stuff. Yes. Get your eyes set on a dollar bill, next thing you do, you'll be worshiping a car. You'll be worshiping a house. You'll be worshiping a drug. You'll be worshiping alcohol. You'll be worshiping some man or worshiping some woman. And that takes the worship away from God. Is that right or wrong? That's exactly right. So he said, I want you to love, not just in word, but in deed and truth. He said, I want you to love the Word of God. Knowledge and judgment. I want you to love the right thing. When he, when he adds judgment in there, that's just, have you ever said this? Have you ever heard this? Oh, that person's a pretty good person. He just ain't got good judgment. You ever heard that? You ever seen anybody like that? Somebody, I mean, he really, he, he, he's got good intentions. He just, he just uh, can't get out of his own way. Well, that's what the Bible says. Paul said, I want you to uh, love the Word. He said, I want you to love knowledge and I want you to love good judgment. Just being able to pick the right thing. And then in the very next verse, he says, that you may approve things that are excellent. This is excellent. 
The Word of God is excellent. Uh, the, the institution of prayer is excellent. How much more excellent than you can you get than getting down on your knees and talking to God? And folks are saying, I, I, you know, I, I had some talk with some folks this week and, and I made sure to say, listen, besides talking to me, you can talk to God. Ain't it good to be able to, I mean, go talk to a pastor and get some things answered? Certainly it is good. Certainly that is what the, that God gave pastors and teachers and evangelists for. But ain't it good to know you can go talk to God too? Amen. Amen. And preferably God. Amen. Amen. Uh, listen, and I would say this, before you come talk to me, how about talking to God? Amen. Amen. Now listen, uh, it stands to reason that the preacher ought to have studied the Bible more than you, right? You would hope that, wouldn't you? God pity us if we got preachers that ain't studying the Bible no more than the people in the pew are. Is that right? Well, it stands to reason that I might know a little bit something that you don't know out of the Bible. But who you reckon knows more than I do? The fella that wrote it. And I don't mean any disrespect by calling God a fella. But God wrote this book. You'd do very well to talk to Him on a daily basis. And then if you've got something you don't understand, certainly come and ask and I'll do my best to help you. But I'm just going to point you to God. I'm going to point you to study. And my, my words are going to be the words of Paul. He said, I long to see you that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end you may be established. And then again here in this verse he said that ye may approve things that are excellent. Only thing in the world I want for People's Baptist Church is for you to get in love with the Word of God. Get in love with right judgment. I mean fall out of love with the poor judgment of this world and the results thereof and get out there into a world that's lost and dying and just fall in love with God's Word and fall in love with coming out at the right place. I want to make good judgments so I come out at the right spot. Ain't it about time? Ain't it about time we stop making a mess? I realize, listen, saved, yes. Preacher, yes. Pastor, yes. Oh, I, I, I claim to be all these things. But still, on a regular basis, I make bad decisions and come out the wrong spot from time to time. We're all going to do that. But listen, I know where to turn. I know where to run to. I know where my hope is. I know where my help is. Amen? And you ought to too. Heavenly Father, I do thank you for your goodness and for your mercy. I pray, oh God, you'd help us just to rededicate our lives, rededicate ourselves, oh God, as a church, rededicate ourselves as individuals to following you and serving you and going the extra mile, dear God. You've told us some things that we ought to do. And Lord, you said if a man bid us to go a mile, go with them twain. So God, I pray you'd help us to go above and beyond. And I know that's not the, the, the spirit of this age. The spirit of this age is, uh, is apostate, apostasy. The spirit of this age is laziness. And Lord, there's not many people going the extra mile to do much of anything except maybe play football or basketball or something like that. God, I pray you'd give us some men and women that would go the extra mile for you. God, put aside our own uh, uh, selfish pleasure, God, and realize there's a spiritual pleasure that's greater than any fleshly pleasure that we can fall into. There's a godly acceptance that's better than any human uh, uh, acceptance or worldly acceptance that there is out there in this old world. Help us, oh God, is my plea to come to the realization of these things. Help us, oh God, is my plea. And I'll thank you for what you do. If you would, stand for just a minute with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. Brother Nathan, if you would, come